The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Who, who are we? Missing? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> okay, so before we move into doubt, let's um, check in a little bit about restlessness and and uh, worry. How was that? Do you remember back earlier before the break when um, we did the guided meditation and the small group discussion? Is there anything you'd like to share about what did you learn about restlessness or something that um, you were struck by? As soon as I get a bit of energy, I want to go right back to it. Right back to? Right back to being restless oh. and worrying and at taking action on that. And I, you know, it's like I'm like a old circus pony or something. Just want to run in a circle. I mean, that's my inclination. It's like I can go home now and get busy again. Yeah, right? Isn't this amazing how often, kind of like when our energy like shifts one edge, one side, and we're going to do things and switches over to the other side, and we can't do anything. And yeah, our energy and the way that it affects us is quite something. But we can be mindful and hold it and say, oh, this is what my energy is like right now, and not have it be a problem. It's a natural thing that energies fluctuate. Thank you, Linda. So about um, restlessness, uh, the conversation and then the meditation that we were doing, it was very helpful to me because I felt that, um, you know, it's not the one I picked this morning when you say which one you think is the Mm. one that you really um, tend to go to. And as I was talking, I realized that, um, you know, because of my illness, like I, I've had a lot of worries and, and restlessness around around <coughs> it, um, my situation. But then when we did the um, meditation and you told us to be uh, spacious, um, I felt really good. I felt that um, I could kind of be like, okay, you've been restless and worried, but that's really normal given what you're going mm. through. And, you know, let me take you in, your, in my arm and just be kind as opposed to feel bad about not being productive. And um, mm. so I, I really like that um, image. That's wonderful. I'm glad. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Sylvie. So... <coughs> I had thought for so long that being super anxious would make me most most effective in caring for my kids. And then of late I've discovered that (coughs) being untroubled makes me more effective at helping them. Uh, It just frees me up to... um, I mean, I'm just... The more untroubled I get, the more everything I do better. So... Yeah, right? The more that we can be present and kind of calm and not be, have the hindrances not so strong with us, then the more wisdom and compassion and patience and all kinds of good things. Thank you, Joe, for sharing that. You know, the other thing that I'd like to add is that you are also embodying a, a wonderful model for your children by, by being caring in a very calm, equanimous way. Yeah, it, I've been wanting since I, I've been wanting, I've been try, sharing this with them, and uh, the, f- the fact that they can see it helping me mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is the most important thing. It's, I'm not preaching it. I'm, yes, I'm that's sharing it. it. That's yeah. that's the most powerful. When you don't talk about it, but you embody it, and they see it in you. No, I have found because I've been I've been definitely cultivating this, particularly the last year that some people get very aggravated at calmness, though. So, like, the folks that I used to sort of complain with or get worked up with, <laughs> now I'm the one that's like, okay, well, let's just take a deep breath and let's, you know, let's think this through. Is it really so bad? And, and some of them get really upset with me 
because I'm not going with the old, uh-huh. the old dialogue. And it's, it's been fascinating. It's, yeah. Yeah. you know, we, we sort of had something in common and, and now we don't. And, and it, it's been fascinating to watch. I think most of them don't believe it. They're like, yeah, yeah. she'll be back. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but that's been an interesting aspect of this. It's a great discovery. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to touch on something about this uh, a, a little bit when we're talking about doubt, how kind of the changes that we're making and the effects it has on others. And this bonding through mutual outrage, right? <laughs> kind of this... Uh, it mm-hmm. is, right? We're mm-hmm. all, it's us versus them over there. And yeah, when, the, when we kind of relax that and say, well, we don't have to kind of... Uh, use that kind of energy some people don't, aren't so happy thank you anybody else have something they'd like to say about restlessness and worry okay so we'll move on to doubt then this is the fifth and the last of the hindrances but it's uh, the, perhaps the most pernicious, the one that can undermine our practice, undermine our well-being in a really powerful way. And part of the reason what makes it so powerful is that doubt are really just thoughts, just like any other thought. Just, you know, their thoughts arise and pass away all day long, right? That's our human experience. But the things about doubt is they often are kind of underneath our more surface thoughts and that we tend to believe them. We tend to think that, oh, this is the truth. This is the reality. This is really how it is. So we can know that we're um, filled with doubt when we have a sense of indecision or some uncertainty or lack of confidence, we're not quite sure like what to do, and and that can be related towards, in particular, um, it could be related towards ourselves. It could be about our own capacities to learn something new, to learn to meditate, to uh, have uh, change our lifestyle, or to I don't know, do any of these things that um, coming to IMC entails, or some of else of your other practices. Are you? Maybe you may have doubt of whether it's sitting still for X amount of time, going on retreat. Or even if you're thinking about this big Buddhist ideal of enlightenment, you may have some ideal, some ideas like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's for somebody else, but uh, not for me. I could never do something like that. I um, know that my very first retreat, I was amazed. Uh, for me, it was completely amazing. The person in front of me, for those of you who haven't been on retreat, you're often like, you know, sitting in rows. And the person in front of me did not move during the meditation periods. I couldn't understand it. I was not able to sit still for that whole, like, 45 minutes. It just was not possible. So I was trying to be very quiet about it, but I was, um, you know, always had to shift my posture. And I had this idea, I could never do that. I could never be a person that could sit still for 45 minutes. I just have to learn how to do this skillfully shifting my posture. And in some ways, maybe I was right that at that moment I couldn't do it. I had was just where, where I was in my life. I didn't have that kind of calmness. My body didn't have the stillness that I could do it. But something about meditation uh, made sense to me and was attractive to me and Without setting a particular goal, I have to be able to sit still for 45 minutes. I just continued practicing. And then, you know, eventually the second retreat, I still couldn't sit completely still for all of them, but I could for a little bit more. And now I can. Now I can sit still for 45 minutes or more sometimes. So we may have these ideas that we can't, but maybe that version of ourselves at that moment can't, that's our experience, but that doesn't mean that we will never be able to. It doesn't mean that the next moment we won't be able to, or it doesn't mean that the next hour or the next um, year we'll be able to. And then when we think about some of these Buddhist ideals, 
we can remind ourselves that um, every mountain, doesn't matter which mountain it is, starts with just a single step, right? We just take the next step. That's all that's being asked of us. Pay attention to the next breath, take the next step, do the next thing, do the next right thing. So when we have doubts about our capabilities, we can remind ourselves that we don't have to choose the most difficult thing and imagine that we can never do it. Instead, we can stay here and kind of present about what is it that we can do and set, um, have ideas that are attainable. Instead of every single breath for those 45 minutes, maybe we could just stick for two breaths. And then once we get where we can consistently stay with two breaths, three breaths. And this way, we um, also build our confidence that you know, if we can do this, then maybe you can do more, as opposed to setting something up, maybe to get into expectations that you were talking about earlier, instead of setting up these giant expectations and then being disappointed in them, which then can be fuel for more doubt, which doesn't support us. Also, there can be um, some doubt about oneself with um, regard to what Jasmaya was saying, that if you start a meditation practice or a Buddhist spiritual practice or any spiritual practice, changes are going to happen. I mean, otherwise, why would you do it, right? You're doing it in order for there to be changes. Some of them you are expecting, maybe some of them you're not expecting. But this is true. When we start behaving a little bit differently, then those people around us may uh, start behaving towards us a little bit differently. And then we may start to have some doubt. Can I do this? Can I have a shift in my relationships with people I care about? Can I do what's being asked of? Would I, would I, I'm starting to have some more clarity or some wisdom about what's important for me. And can I do that in the face of being around with other people who may have different ideas? As well as here, um, you know, with mindfulness practice in particular, we really emphasize this idea of being relaxed, being present, and being open to what's happening. But let's face it, sometimes what's happening is really difficult, really uncomfortable, and is not what we wish was happening. So we may also have doubt about our capability to really meet the present moment, to kind of meet those difficulties. But just the more that we practice, the more that we're able to do that. And maybe we're not able to start at the very beginning with the most difficult. But we don't have to start with the most difficult things. We start where we are. And we do what we can. And we acknowledge that um, the, the, what we have done. And I, don't, I kind of would like to uh, emphasize that. I know this um, for myself. I don't know if it's true for any of you, but I'm, also, I'm often thinking like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, could, I did that, but I haven't done this yet. But I, I kind of want to em- really say it's important to acknowledge the changes that we are making, the things that we have done, so that they can support us for to do some additional things and to help support us when we have doubt about our capabilities, about our capacities. Because this is exactly how we do things, one little bit at a time, right? And we kind of recognize what we have done, not get overwhelmed when we think that we have, there's so much more to be done. It's just one step at a time. How do you take that first step? Do you have an idea, Sylvie? Yeah, so thank you, Sylvie. She asked, how do you pick which one? Which is the next step? And that's where I'm going to go next. You could have some doubt about the practices. It could be as simple as, what do I do next? In terms of if you're meditating, should I be doing loving kindness? Could I have some ill will? Or should I just be doing mindfulness and should I stay with it? Or you know, maybe I should try to get concentrated and get the ill, ill will, uh, see if I can uh, subvert it. Right? It could be as specific as that, as some doubt about which practices are the best. And often the answer is, there doesn't have to be, you don't have to know the best perfect answer, the best perfect practice to do. Just do the ones that's easiest, that's most available. They all are effective. They all are beneficial. So sometimes all that you can do is maybe bring um, awareness to your feet on the ground. Maybe that's all that's available. Or maybe you can just have this flicker of, oh, oh, wow, I'm really not mindful, and off you go again. 
that's okay. You do what you can. And if you get confused about the different practices, there's a, a number of things that you can do. One, talk to a teacher. Two, you can read books. You can see what other teachers you know, have written about in addition to the ones that you have access to to speak with. And three, you can talk about other people in the community, other practitioners. What do you do? What do you think is helpful? And, right, and kind of share your wisdom and what other people have done and what they have tried. Yes, Sylvie. Oh, yes, so let's use the microphone. What I really liked about the answer you gave, which I would apply not just to doubt about practice, but, you know, in doubt in real life as well, was when you said, take a step, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, was it, it doesn't matter what step it is, right? It's kind of like the movement towards doing something. Is it what you, what you were trying to say? That kind of takes you out of that doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm at least I'm doing something. Yes, but it does matter in some ways which step in terms of we want to be skillful. We're not going to start hating something and that's going to be our next step is to fill ourselves with hate. Or yeah, you said like take that. one, that's easy. That's what you said, yes, right? That feels like you can do it. So take something doable. Yes. Okay, that's Most great. accessible, the ones that's kind of the easiest. And we don't have to worry about what is the most perfect one at this time that's that's kind of like a doubt working is trying to figure out which one is the is the uh, most perfect and that is a sign of doubt right it's kind of having these thoughts over and over again like oh should really is this wait should i do this maybe i should do that i don't I, maybe i should do this one and then you just end up going around in circles i think for me when i get in that situation i actually i decide this is the step like you know, that's what I need to do. And I can't do that particular step because it's either too big or it's really frightening to me. But I don't think about taking another one. I kind of get stuck on like, keep trying to do that one, but it's not. Yes, right? I think this is not uncommon that many of us have this idea, well, I need to do this and I can't do that, so I can't do anything. So instead, just take you know, maybe just mindfulness of your feet on the ground, just bring your attention, or just notice like, wow, I'm really confused, I don't know what to do. Just the, maybe it's only a flicker of mindfulness while these thoughts are kind of running around in your mind. Linda. I've heard it expressed as just the right, the next right thing. Yeah. And if if nothing um, really important is accessible, just to do something that needs to be done anyway, like the dishes, because that's all you can do. But it's a good thing to do. It's better to do the dishes than to worry about doing the huge thing that you're not able to do the next, you know, you're not able to tackle just yet. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So what, what is the, um, the big picture here? Is the object to get as much done in our lives as possible? Or is it to find some calm and peace and freedom and wisdom and compassion and love and care? So if you have an idea of like what, what the... Um, the goal, or I'm not sure if that's the right word, but the gold standard, I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for, then that can help guide you. So maybe doing the dishes is the right thing to do, but maybe doing the dishes isn't the right thing to do if instead you're... um, um, find that you're able to be with something difficult, but only touch on to it, and then you bounce off, well, maybe you could stay there for one more minute, maybe two more minutes, and then you can notice something difficult. But you could just ask yourself, is this the right thing to do next? Is to get up off of the cushion or to get up off the couch or whatever it is? Yes, Joe. I heard Gil talk about asking yourself, what is the need of the moment? I think it was something he learned in Zen. Um, that's 
it's been <clears throat> been a good thing. Uh, something just, when when I ask myself that, it just seems like something is something is the right the mm-hmm. needful thing to do right then. Yeah, what is the need of the moment? Sometimes we have access to that, and sometimes we don't. Right? Sometimes we can get quiet enough that we can hear or feel that, and I guess maybe if on those moments when we are uh, feeling uh, really fiery with um, ill will or something like this, then maybe we can just notice, okay, I guess this is what's happening right now, so I'm filled with um, ill will. I don't know, do you have something you want to add here, Andre? Well, the one thing that we want to add is that in that moment, we just have to remember a hindrance is present, therefore I cannot see clear. That's the other meaning of nivarana, to cover up. My vision is impaired. So do not take decisions. That's a very, very wise principle to follow. When under an, a, a hindrance, don't take decisions because you know you're not seeing clearly. You just wait. Wait until it works its way through and you'll have more clarity. So then a question could be... Or, sorry. So about what you just said, Andrea, then what worries me is that, um, you know, how long are you going to be waiting <laughs> Like, um, I feel like, uh, okay, so let's say you have doubt. And, okay, is it going to be a day of doubt, a week of doubt, a month of doubt, mm-hmm. a year of doubt? Um, I feel like if I go into what Joe was saying, what's the need, I would be hiking every day. But I need to make an income. Mm-hmm. Um, but so... The how long do you give that doubt space for? Okay, so let me ask you, what do you think? Um, well, I just gave doubt three weeks, which is something I've never done in my life. It feels huge, and I felt really like a failure and completely unproductive. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I feel now that I'm over that three weeks that it was needed, like what you are describing. Um, so now I need to kind of find a balance. Mm. How do I, maybe it goes to the tip that Linda had about timer. <laughs> like is it, you can doubt for an hour a day or two hours a day or, or only on Sunday or, <laughs> I don't know. But Something needs to happen. Like I cannot just go another. Um, I mean, it, it's. You know, I can see what you're saying. That in a way, if I could really afford it, it would be really good to doubt for another month. Mm. You know, the 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 challenge with with doubt, right? There's one of the characteristics of doubt is that it 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 freezes us. We don't act. We just stay. We don't commit. That's part of doubt, right? We are afraid to commit, so therefore we just straddle the fence. We just stay there, neither nor. And so if that's... So we need to give ourselves time to figure out the discernment. What is, what is fueling this doubt? In your case, it may, it's, it's maybe just... Maybe I wouldn't even call it doubt. Maybe it's, I'm going to give myself some spacious time to just see what arises. I mean, I don't know your situation, but it seems like you're in an important juncture in your life. And when that's the case, you really need to give yourself time to be able to see what are the different options without just being intellectual about it, but just letting things arise naturally. So I can um, talk a little bit about some other things that we can do with doubt. So doubt, as I said, are their thoughts and ideas. And often when we are having a difficulty, 
we can expand our attention. So that is, if we're having difficulties with thoughts, expand our awareness to include our bodies. And our bodies can, you know, often have some stability and some present moment. Um, They're in the present moment. So that can really help us. You can examine what's happening in the body, and that can help with a slowdown, maybe if the thought, if the doubt is these uh, ruminative thoughts that are going through and through, or around and around. Sometimes, if they're not really uh, problematic or persistent uh, doubt, we could just call it, just name it. Oh, this is doubt. And there's something about naming it that gives us just a little bit of space, right? The doubt is over there, and the person who is knowing the doubt is over here. So there's just enough space that you can maybe catch your breath and not be um, in the midst of it, and you can see things clearly. So you can make a mental note, whether you're meditating or whether it's in your regular life, like, oh yeah, this is that doubt thing happening again. You can... um, if the doubt is persistent, then we may need to deal with it directly. And this can be by looking at some of our deeply held beliefs. What's the meaning of life? What is, the, what is my role here on the planet? Well, I don't know what that would be exactly. But to look at some of the assumptions or beliefs that we have. Because that may be fueling some of our doubt. including if we have doubt about this practice right here, and we're talking in the Buddhist practice, is about finding your way towards more freedom and ease and peace and happiness. But you may have some um, underlying beliefs that, well, maybe I don't deserve peace and happiness. Or you may have some ideas that from other religious traditions that it's you shouldn't have peace and happiness you were born into sin or something like this so we may have some really deeply held beliefs that may be fueling um, some of the doubts that we're having and you can examine them you know, by thinking about them on walks talking about them with people other people by journaling so some ways to do that Also, there may be, um, just like all thoughts, some of this doubt may be fueled by unresolved feelings. We may have, you know, maybe even from decades ago, um, some hurt or some sadness or some anger or something like this that may be fueling these thoughts. And just like with some of our deeply held beliefs, it may be worthwhile to spend some time and explore them in a way that feels comfortable and safe. I'm not asking you right, to go do the most difficult work possible, but just to maybe open the door that I wonder if there is something here, if there's an underlying feeling or emotion here. And just allow it to bubble up if it wants to. We don't have to do um, make it painful and go in, or I should say, we don't have to push ourselves into a place. Things will arise when we're ready. But often we can kind of like open the door a little bit or even acknowledge that a door exists. And then sometimes when we're having a lot of doubt, whether it's about ourselves or it's about the practice, or it can be helpful to bring to mind something inspiring or maybe someone inspiring you know, kind of look outside of ourselves a little bit. Maybe there is, um, we can have a picture of somebody that inspires us or a poem that um, inspires us that can help us just get over that hump a little bit so that we can do the next thing, which can then kind of um, help us uh, mitigate some of the doubt so that we can make some decisions if that what needs to be done or to be with what's arising. So what, what do you think that we would like to do now regarding doubt? Well, um, so let's see. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs>
Go ahead, Rory, I have a little comment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So before we kind of move on to something else, is there questions about doubt? Um, can so you use the microphone, please? So what is it about, like, doubt about what what thing? We, is it about med- meditation or is it about something else in life? Everything. Okay. So, I mean, it, it, you know, we, we were, if we had time for questions to investigate, it was going to be about our applying doubt or a, uh, investigation about doubt in our lives and then also in our practice. Hmm. We look at how it impacts. Thank you. Sure. Any other questions about doubt? Okay. So <clears throat> maybe we could stop the recording. I think now. Thank you. Okay, so we've come to the end of the day and I hope that you have some insights about yourself of how you relate it to the table with the treats and what you observed in different times with different energy. So this is the time to share. Anybody like to? And it could be that you say, well, it, you know, it was not a big deal for me because I don't like sweets, so I could just go buy it and it was nothing. It was not a big deal for me because I don't like sweets. <laughs> Very good. Um, I looked at them once and I realized that there was nothing I could eat. Mm. So then I just, when to get my own snacks. Yeah. And okay. they didn't take a second look. Very good. Not a problem in the morning, in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, sort of, uh, for me, a lot of times it's, you know, the energy level. So. Yeah. But how about the mood? So was, so so you noticed that the energy was was low, but was there a mood, did you notice, was there a mood accompanying that low energy that made you want it more or less? Yeah, I didn't really want it this morning. I, you know, I think my mood was pretty, um, pretty stable, pretty calm. Um, I tend to, in the afternoon, I think, um, one of the people that works with me always jokes that I start teasing him at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I think <laughs> it's just, I, I just seek ways to grab energy so mm. you know i think the mood is okay i need to be done with whatever it is i'm doing and move along um and when that's not actually what i want or not able to do then i you know i sort of seek you know you know laughter or a sweet or something like that yeah, so yeah, yeah. Good, so good. yeah but it's i mean if 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 the if dave were here he'd be like oh yeah it's that time yeah. so, <laughs> so, so, but, but I think it's just a, it's a little dip in energy and, and, yeah, and I, don't, I, I think I don't like to be there so I find a way to great I mean that's, that's, that's good to know I don't like to be there that's very good to know that, that one has uh, that, that's a sort of aversion right that we don't like it and, and that's, that's part of the learning oh yeah it's, it's not comfortable I don't like it and yeah so and I befriended Oh yeah, oh, so you arrived late. I didn't know the setup, so yeah. I, I, I had a little one after lunch, but I had. I, I consider it a success because I just had one of those little uh, <laughs> almond bark thingies, and so that was it. But, <laughs> well, I heard you talk about it, but I didn't understand, so I had one in the morning too. Um, and I, I wanted more, but I didn't want to feel like I would feel if I had more. So there were kind of two moods at once. Mm. Um, and then uh, this afternoon when the restrictions were removed, <laughs> I went ahead and had some more, but I didn't have as many as I really wanted because I knew that I would not feel good later. Mm. So it was kind of it was a, a balance, a trade-off. Yeah. Trade-offs yeah. each time. Yeah. Good. Thank you.
I went out to the restroom before you um, uh, told us what the treats were for. Uh, and so I had one coming and going. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you said what the treats were for, I was like, to hell with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I basically had as much as I wanted, which was too much. And um, then I sought to redeem myself by getting the sugar snap peas, which I like equally as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't get the um, I don't get the buzz, but I still um, I still ate more. I mean, it was just it's just I do the food thing, which is is not um, I'm aware of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not always able to stop it. Is there is there any? loving kindness that you could offer yourself <clears throat> in relation to this reality? Yeah. Um, what would you like to, would you be willing to share? What would you tell yourself about if you offered yourself some loving kindness in relation to it? Um, that I don't do that all the time because I don't have sweets at home and that I um, um, <laughs> that's all I can think of <laughs> there's something that you would tell yourself and, and, and if you want to take some time and, and then share it later in private that's, that's good too but I think it would be very very Lovely and, and, and wonderful for you to just think of something very supportive, very loving. Oh, maybe that, that's just where I am. And Great. Yeah, that's where I am. Good. I used to always, when I had a dessert available when I was growing up, eat it first because we didn't have dessert all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Okay, thank you. Um, I looked at them at the, well, the first break. Um, I was more interested in sitting. At the second break, I was kind of interested in all that was there. I was um, trying to figure it out. Like, oh, I wonder what I never, oh, that looks, mm. it was, <laughs> I thought it was really thoughtful of you to um, bring that. But I didn't have, um, I didn't notice a desire but I was interested. <laughs> it was curiosity. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of like being at the museum. Oh, <laughs> look what they've done there. And, um, but after a day of sitting, how I feel about things is different than I might, you know, if I were at yeah. the store or yes. if all those things were in my own home and I was there with them alone, you know, how I might feel. So, yeah, but the, um, the energy of practice is is infusing and and that so I'd like to ask you something why do you um, what do you think makes you say after a day of practice I feel differently about it what is it about it from the day of practice that makes you feel different and and how is it different in practice I am aware that there is the mind and I am aware that there is the body and that awareness is significant and there is a magic to it or (laughs) something but that is significant. So how does that, that's beautifully, thank you, but in relation to the to the Wants, how does it play that out? It's as though you were flying in a plane and you look down and you see people driving in their car. You don't have the desire to take a parachute out of the plane and drive in the car. It wouldn't really occur to you. 
So it's like that. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. In the meantime, uh, I just want to add. I I uh, I think it's lovely that it that it arose from you. This having practiced the whole day, you have a different relation to your wants. There's perspective. There's, as she said, looking from above. They don't run the show anymore. It's like, nah. I know it doesn't make me feel good. Thank you. So. So that's that's a lovely thing to keep in mind. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add that you know I cannot have uh, uh, gluten and dairy, so I couldn't have those. But then I was asking myself, what if Andrea had brought gluten-free, dairy-free mm. goodies? I don't think I would have not touched them. I think I would have you know, try them and maybe gotten into that same, oh, I had one and that's good. Let me have another one. Like, I don't think I would have acted the same way. Uh-huh. Like, I just couldn't have them. Mm. Yeah, could be. Well, thank you all for being open to to trying. Nobody fell into ill will about, how could she tease us like that? <laughs> <laughs> So maybe we'll just wrap up kind of as a team effort. We'll kind of crowdsource this. So does anybody remember what the first hindrance was that we talked about? And can they say a few words what, 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 is, what it was about? Sensual desire, sensual pleasure. And what, what can we say about that? Is it, does anybody remember... <laughs> Mm-hmm. More than just sex, it's all all the senses, including this mind, kind of like you know. Um, I don't. Do you want to say, Sylvie? She was making me a sign that I should use the microphone. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Yeah. So I think the definition was really expanded for me uh, because I I would have thought, okay, I'm not concerned by by this right now. And, uh, you know, then, especially the mind mm-hmm. or the need for comfort. Comfort, it's like, right. oh, my God, <laughs> yes, <laughs> this <Yeah>. I want. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Definition got expanded for me, too, realizing that daydreaming, which I've always loved to do, is mm. a sensual desire. Mm. So that's a new perspective on that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And then what was the second one? Ill will. Would anybody like to say a few words about ill will? The definition, what was meaningful for you, something memorable? I don't think you, that microphone is on. Oh, maybe, but see the blue slider? It works in front of you. There's this blue... Oh yeah, we can. Oh no, it's up. I was going to move this, but why don't you just use this microphone? <laughs> so ill will arises from desire, and um, desire springs aversion to what is not desired, and from that comes ill will and the dissatisfaction. That leads to anger. Yeah. But ill will and desire are really closely linked. Sometimes we have ill will when our desires are thwarted. Or they're both a, you know, a, a movement wanting something. Either wanting the absence of something or the presence of something. But they both have an emphasis on an object out there. That either we want to be closer or further away. Linda, do you want to say something about ill will? Yeah, I picked up on... Um, this is just as things are. You know, it's just the way things are right now. And then I wrote down the name of the book, Five Things You Can't Change by Dave Rico. 
which I'll probably look up. Um, and the anecdotes are goodwill, friendliness, and loving kindness. Yeah. So things are as they are. That could be help as an antidote for all the hindrances to remind us that this is what's happening right now. And then the third one, what was the third uh, hindrance? You don't feel like remembering? Sloth <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yes. Yes. and torpor. <laughs> Would anybody like to say anything about that? I get it, um, and it's I get a visceral, um, physical reaction that shuts me down when I um, when I launch into um, either of the first two, trying to change something or wanting something. You know, if I'm adverse to something or wanting something so badly that I'm trying to trying to get it just frantically it shuts me down it's like I can feel it it's just like having the blinds pulled over a window or something and then I have to um, work out of it Um, yeah it's a big drop in energy that happens when we we meet something difficult and so when that happens all I can do is take care of myself till I feel more energetic yeah and then Joe, I think he had something he wanted to say. I just realized, <clears throat> today I realized what a es- major escape it's been for me uh, through my life and how yeah. unsatisfactory <laughs> yeah. it is to go there. Yeah. yeah. All these hindrances turn out to be unsatisfactory. We started them as strategies to solve mm-hmm. problems, and they turn out not to be so great. Yeah, I guess one thing that occurred to me that... Um, I think I learned today, I think you mentioned it a few times this morning, was each of those hindrances have a good side. Like um, there is healthy desire, there is, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, those things. And and I think that was, you know, it's hard to say, sloth? (laughs) Sloth? Wow, that's like a... Good challenge for French accents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Topper. Um, I, I realized that I was never letting myself experience those before. And uh, I've only um, really discovered um, that it's it's not just an entrance. I think it feels beneficial to let myself experience it. Uh, so I still need to find the, the balance. But I think now I need to err on the side of not being a hindrance for me for a little while. Mm. Great. Yeah, there's a big range, right, for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Sylvie. And what was the fourth one? Yeah. <laughs> Would anybody like to say anything about restlessness? Well, for me, it's actually, um, anxiety. Um, I've had dealt with anxiety for a long time, and then it's just like, just lately realizing that anxiety, I always thought you have to be anxious in order to slay the dragons of the of the world, but I finally realized that really the best thing is to not be anxious. Mm-hmm. And then um, really uh, then things get done. So uh, so anyway, the talk today helped me kind of cement that. Uh, Great. Thank you, Joe. And then the last one. What was the last one? Doubt. Doubt. Is <laughs> anybody... <laughs> Does anybody have something they'd like to say about doubt? (laughs) I'm not sure if I can think of what to say. So I remember there were two aspects. So there was the doubt in the practice or the doubt in, in our 
personal lives. Um, at this time, I don't have any doubt in the practice. I'm sure it will come later, so I'll remember <laughs> at the time. So it's more um, doubt uh, in my life. And I think what I remember from today was uh, the advice that uh, you gave um, Diana about uh, taking a step that um, feels doable and that kind of that's a way of kind of getting engaged and getting your energy um, you know just feeling that you've done something and you just don't have to stay in that you know is it the one the doubt that you said that um, the image would be to like go around the round yeah I was thinking that's kind of um, there was this joke about you put someone in a in a room without corner, and you tell them there is, there is something in a corner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's kind of like what doubt would be, <laughs> running around trying to find that corner, mm. to be relieved from it, but there is no corner. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. Oh, so, no. I think we're done. Yeah, so I wanted to say thank you to all of you for your beautiful participation. This was a delight to kind of practice with you and explore these things with you and to learn from you and learn a little bit about how these things um, behave in your life and your thoughts and questions. It's been really great. And I don't do you have something you'd like to say? Just thank you also to you and, and really deep appreciation for taking a whole day out of your precious weekend to investigate a topic that maybe it's not so attractive. You know, maybe people say, oh, I don't want to spend my Saturday learning about sloth and torpor and doubt. (laughs) I want to go to the loving kindness one where I come out feeling good, good, good. So, you know, it takes courage to come and devote a whole Saturday. So really, my my respects to you. Yes. Yeah, and I I just wanted to, to, you know, uh, appreciate my my thanks in kind of the way you you guided the day because when you look at this topic of hindrance, I feel that um, compared to like other day long, that there was a lot of really personal sharing and also really, I feel a really strong sense of common humanity yeah. in all the exercises and that was very special. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I agree. I, I mean, I wasn't in the small groups with you guys, but I kind of felt like we went through a journey together, right, yeah. on this day. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's wonderful yeah. Yeah. to practice together. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yes, thank you. Take care. I hope one of these recorders was on. Oh.